Hi guys, welcome, welcome back. My name is Janelle Roberts. This is the To All The People podcast and I am currently in my office. You guys already know this and I don't know why, but I am getting like all of the feels today. I can't explain it. I woke up this morning, if I'm being transparent with you, I don't want to start this off very negative. I woke up today in a very good mood Um, But then when I opened up my computer and my laptop, um, I haven't shared this with anyone, but I'm in the process of writing an essayist book, which is a lot longer, longer form of my book to all the people I love before loving me to all the people I love before loving me was more soft and sultry. This next one I've been working on for the last couple of months are very, very deep, detailed essays. And I felt really uninspired today when I was reaching out to publicists and things like that because I don't want to do the self-publishing route. And I thought, you know, how can I motivate myself right now in this moment where I'm not feeling so great? And I've been really trying my hardest to practice that within probably the last like year of my life is trying to find a way to motivate myself. It's, it, it is hard sometimes. Like, you know, I am someone that, that has battled with depression. It's gotten a lot more better because now I know how to police my thoughts and check in on myself. But it's just like, how do we motivate ourselves? And I think one way that I learned how to motivate myself is looking at my previous work. So today, this podcast is going to be incredibly different. I really want you to unwind and just relax and just catch a vibe. Um, This is actually going to be a nice little book reading of poetry from To All the People I Love Before Loving Me. Um, To All the People I Love Before Loving Me is actually like how can I say it? It's, it's, it's the birth of the To All The People podcast. It's the birth of me. Um, as most of you know, and if you don't know this already, um, I wrote the chain of poems that I've been writing since I was a teenager. Um, I compiled them all together. So this book is very young. It's very youthful. It's for the inner child. It's for the inner teenager. Um, so this is like an adult kind of children's teenage book. If I can say it like that. I hope you can't hear the church chimes from the church outside of my um, apartment, but you know what? It's okay. We're going to roll with it. So let's get right into it. I just want to start off by reading the back of the book for you guys. Also, this book is available to purchase for $10 on Amazon. Um, Yeah. Um, And it's also available on Kindle. So I just thought, you know what, let's just have a nice day of doing a reading. Okay, so let's get right into it. This is To All the People I Love Before Loving Me by Janelle J. Roberts. Um, I'm just going to read you a couple of um, poems and things like that to be completely transparent. I don't pick up my book every single day and read it. It's probably been almost two years since I've actually read the book. I'm going to be completely honest. I'm just one of those people like whenever like I've been, you know, spending a lot of time and energy working on it, I actually make myself sick of things to the point where I can't do it. Even as I edit these podcasts and these episodes, I literally have to edit. I literally have to record them at least a week or two in advance. That way, when I record it, I'm not tired of like my own self. Um, Yeah. So let's get into it. On the back of the book, you have this poem, and it says, And you whispered so softly, I love you, oh, I love you, and I said to you, please love yourself before loving me, so you can let go of all the things that made you feel incomplete. For you are the moon that puts the sun asleep, and you are me, oh, you are me, and all the people I love first before loving me. Um, When I think of naming it to all the people I love before loving me, it just speaks for itself. If you're someone that grew up in a narcissistic household, have experienced some type of generational trauma, if 
you're someone that never really even got to pay attention to yourself because your direction and your eyesight has always been focused on someone else, then this is for you. Ugh, I'm kind of cringing at myself, but let's get right into it about me. Also in 2023, let things be about you, let people praise you, and that's something I'm really trying my hardest to like be comfortable with and learn to work through about me. Like many people, I grew up with little to nothing, and writing became my way of feeling like something. Writing saves me when I feel like I'm sinking. It has taught me throughout my young life to take the pieces of myself that scare me the most and turn them into something beautiful. I learned to turn the sadness into my victories, the homelessness into my stability, and my fear of God into my spirituality. This poetry book is insanity. It's madness and yet beauty. These are my thoughts when I'm staring into space. It's the, the fake smile. It's the I'm okay when I'm really not okay. It's the conversations with my therapist and it's me, the hot mess me. Throughout this book, fragments, it represents vulnerability, the smallness, and the mindfulness. The pain of our trauma is universal. It will always be. The pain will always be there, but joy lives there too. It can if you allow it to. This is my first book, my first publication, my first child. This is for the girl who lost her mom, to the man who's afraid to cry, to the first generation college graduate who's having a difficult time navigating the many facets of being a first gen. I write for you and only you. It's to the abusive family dynamics we are trying to free ourselves from, and it's to the confusing and yet beautiful dynamic that comes with finding you. So I hope that in reading this short little book, you will feel strongly compelled to find your own creative voice if you haven't already. So please reach out, write me, email me, contact me for you. Thank you for allowing me to show you the thoughts that are in my head. Section one, you. I want you to know that this section is for you because you are the poems I write. You are the survivor, you are the broken homes we fled from, you are the woman in the mirror, but most of all, you are me and the many women who look like we. You are the secrets we hide behind locked doors and the laughter that evades us in the small moments we feel free. This section is not beauty. It is not sunflowers and rainbows. It is the darkness, the sadness, the laughter, the self-loathe, and everything else. This is to feeling good, to feeling great, to feeling like shit the very next day. So as you move through these pages from section to section, take this pain and confront it. You don't have to hide who you are here. I hope these pages make you shout. I hope this section liberates you. But most of all, I hope it gives you a voice so you can be the anchor for people who feel the same way you do. These are the poems to ourselves. These are our unsaid words. This is you when no one is looking. So I'm just gonna read a couple of poems. I don't think I can get through the entire section, the first section. Sorry. Someone should have told you sorry for all the times you lied awake at night crying to God about how your mother made you feel. So here I am saying sorry for all the times you found yourself in the sadness of someone else's eyes because your father didn't tell you he loved you enough. I'm sorry that the good earth is both frightening and unfair and I'm sorry that the planet we live in spews hate of what girls like you, black and brown and hue should look like. And I'm sorry for all the times someone made you feel like you weren't enough. Alive and not well, I pushed myself into a box just to make myself feel small, just to say I did it, just to shout I made it, only to realize that since the day I was born, I had not been living. People, and because you've lacked self-confidence since you were a child, you have a hard time figuring out what makes you you. So you wear your insecurities like school books made for learning, and you refuse to be alone because you have a hard time dealing with the unnerving insecurities that kiss your cheeks before bed. And instead of dealing with the things you hate about yourself, you continue to find a home in other people. 
how sad it is that you don't know what your reflection looks like in the mirror without a stranger staring back at you. You will outgrow your insecurities. You are not confined to disillusion. This is a new way of thinking, guys. This is where the pain starts. It's your childhood. It's your divorced parents or having no parents. It's losing a friend. It's spending time with a creepy family member. It's hiding being gay. It's growing up poor, black, or Islamic. We lose ourselves to become someone else. The pain is written in our history, forced into our school system, pressed into us until we are forced to assimilate, forcing us to lose our way. The beginning of our history, her story, was tainted by an uncertainty, and although this journey hasn't been easy, you are a woman of many facets, and being incomplete is not one of them. Ooh, y'all, I'm really, hold on one second, like, I'm kind of shook, because it has been a while. I've taken a lot. I've taken a lot of blows in life broke a few bones, cried to God and fought when I had to fight. I became a nuance, a taking bomb, and I learned to distance myself from anyone and everyone who got too close to me. I didn't want them to feel the explosions I had felt, for the blows I had felt, the madness, the sadness, and everything else. You know, you will spend your whole life serving others and find out at the end of all of it that it was all for nothing. No one will ever give you that self-love you're looking for. Learn to love the sides you think are ugly by empowering yourself. Ultimately, you will find that you have the capacity to give more to yourself than anyone else. Be selfish for you. Because everyone else is doing it. Mm, mm, mm. Gosh, there's just so many of them. This one is like... So... When I wrote this book, it was... Um, I got a lot of reactions. I got a lot of good ones and I got a lot of bad ones. And a lot of the bad reactions came from people that had oppressed my voice, um, which is understandable. And I think it's scary to definitely step outside of what you've been programmed to believe and do something for yourself. And I think for me like i'm able to tolerate a lot of hate from outsiders when most of the hate was was um when the worst hate i had ever experienced had been coming from inside of the home if that makes sense um in love with the warmth and not the explosion the explosion being the depression and the warmth being the poetry i learned to inhale my family's chaos instead of dealing with my own I love them too much and myself too little. Don't explode, I tell myself. Enjoy the war. Made to be this way is um, a poem that I wrote for brown and black women. I was made to be this way, made to question everything, made to disrupt rooms, made to start fights, made to scream, made to shout, made to make you feel like it was you and never me, made to blame you for every bad thing that's ever happened to me. Made to make you feel like you never deserve me. I was made in America, the land of the fucking free. A place where there's no such thing for a woman like me loving me for me. Luke always tells me that whenever I write and whenever I talk about my book, I should let people know that like I also did the illustration. Um, and it's not something that I necessarily think about because it really is hard stepping out of your comfort zone. Like when I think about writing this book, I think about how I did not, I, first off, 
let me just be very transparent with y'all. When I wrote this book, I had probably less than 1,600 followers on tick on Instagram. I didn't even have a TikTok or YouTube, just Instagram. And I wasn't expecting it to do well the first week. Um, and it was literally because of the rallying of people around me. Um, I had a very small following, but I had a, a very strong community of people that loved me and that uplifted me and that wanted this to be something for me. When I started writing at 13, I started writing because I, you know, I was getting bullied so badly. Like we had moved to this small town when we were financially struggling in Gainesville. And I just remember like, I think it was probably one of the first times in my life that I understood the extent of being a black person. You know, you take into account, I for sure take into account the fact that I am a lighter skinned black woman and that colorism really is a thing and that there are certain advantages that I have in my life that darker skinned women do not have. That's something that I came to understand at a very, very um, young age considering the fact that majority of my family members are darker skinned. So I was able to kind of see how they were perceived in the world by people um not to say that light skin light skinned black people don't have it bad but being lighter skin allows you to be in rooms that darker skinned women and darker skinned people it's a it's a very very messed up thing it's very unfair um but it is something that i have really recognized and completely understood um and when i was in school um at this small town that's when i picked up writing i didn't really have any friends um we had a really bad school bully and because i didn't want her beating my ass every day i just decided to be her friend (laughs) so i would let her cheat off of me do what i needed to do in order to survive she was not that nice but she was nice to me compared to everyone else um and i just knew that like i did not want to feel the wrath of that so i was like best if i just stay on her good side best if i kiss her ass so this is one that i wrote around that time that has developed since it's called and i grew afraid I let a stillness hold my dreams, and it became a fear that crept up when I was alone in my bed. It became the creepy older family friend who watched me play. It became the hot comb that burned my head. It became school bullies. It became sleeping in cars with an empty belly. It became the color of my skin. It became a scream, a scream that I would carry into my 20s. It became a fear I could not escape, and I grew afraid. When I think about these things, I think about all the people I love before loving me and how I would not ever want my child or my children to think that I had to come before them and their wants and their desires. I was reading recently Bell Hooks and she talked about how children are the only group of people that have no civil rights. And that really rang true to me because when you think about it, it takes a special adult to trust a child and it really had me thinking of of being a child and and not necessarily having a voice and bell hooks compared um hi lana my cat came in here bell hooks compared um a domesticated um partner a woman being Um, domesticated and being abused by a man to a child being abused too like so she said like are you gonna pinch a child because the child didn't do what you say the same what did she say she she said something along the lines of like are you gonna pinch a woman or hit a woman because she didn't listen to you 
that's exactly the same thing that children go to go through but we try to normalize whooping and beatings and spankings and stuff and as i'm getting older i'm starting to understand how that is just so harmful to the development of the child you know as a child that was definitely like we're we're bringing out the rod go pick out your own switch like you're getting ass whooping for acting up i think about how like that has also like changed my perspective of relationships and men in and intimacy you know i've always thought that intimacy had to come at the expense of being like overtly passionate to the point of being physical like not in the best way if that makes sense this one is called darkness and that darkness swept over you again wrapping its hands around your neck that nearly losing your way you wrangled with it as it grappled you and you shouted no more darkness no more darkness as you screamed and wheezed to be free i will be free i will be free i'm gonna move over to section two there's like 50 pages on the section one i can't get through all of it section two um the first one is called a body i tried loving myself with everything i've been through but i had a hard time forgiving myself for everything i've gone through lately it feels like my life is living me and i am just a body becoming less and less of me that's probably one of my favorite ones wow i feel like i needed to read that today I tried loving myself with everything I've been through, but I had a hard time forgiving myself for everything I've gone through. Lately, it feels like my life is living me and I am just a body becoming less and less of me. This one's called sadness. I was too busy folding myself over into all the people everyone wanted me to be. I found out early on that carrying everyone else's brokenness made it hard for me to rise and even harder to feel complete. I wanted to run away from my sadness like my father did in hopes that maybe I'd find some peace. Truth is, I am afraid to face myself, the broken me, the one who can no longer point the fingers at others as to why I haven't worked on me. I've run out of people to blame. How sad it is knowing so much about yourself and yet remaining the same. There was like one poem I wrote about my dad, um, and it's like a picture of like a brain and two people having a conversation on top of the brain. And the poem is, Dad, I talk to you all the time in my head. I don't really talk about like my dad because like he, you know, he played a very physically small role in my life but a big role in my life at the same time i had a stepdad but i also had a biological father that i didn't really meet until i was you know 13 and that was, was an experience and i th don't think we talk about enough like before you're able to speak before you're even able to defend yourself and I remember the first time my dad actually came into my life, it was like I was I had like this sales pitch presentation. Like it was just like, damn, I want him to like me so bad. Like I was like putting on a performance. It was like, look, dad, I can sing. Look, dad, I can act. It was like I was trying so hard for him to like me. I was trying so hard for him to accept me. And I think rejection at a very young age has really almost made me expect the worst and it's gotten better you know like whenever i have something going on in life i always think okay think of the worst case scenario because when you think about the worst case scenario the worst that, that it can't happen 
This one is called Wounds From You. There are moments where certain wounds hurt more than others. These wounds keep me up at night. Wounds I will never get over. I'm not upset with you. I'm just learning to love me more than I loved you. But I will always love you. Even when I walk on the opposite side of the street to avoid you. That poem to me is removing toxic family dynamics, especially when I say I will always love you even when I walk on the opposite side of the street to avoid you. I will always be here for you. I will always love you, but not at the expense of me completely losing myself. It's a no. When your life has literally been dedicated to one person, I think it is only right for you to step away and follow your dreams and focus on yourself. I was like watching this episode. It was like a TikTok thing. And it was about this boy explaining to his mom that, hey, look, mom, my wife has to come first in my life. And the mom didn't understand that. And it's just like, why at the expense do parents think it's okay to... First and foremost, we are not better versions of our parents. We are our own individual unique people. And I think that people shouldn't have children if they're not going to accept them for who they are. You know even when I think about Christianity and those types of things, we have to accept people for who they are. I have the conversation all the time about like, I shouldn't be a parent if I'm not open to my child's experience. You know, me and Luke have the conversation all the time. We have a child that's gay. We have a child that's trans. Um, we have a child that wants to convert religion. How are we going to handle that? We're going to let them be because I'm not having children because I want them to be a better version of me. I'm having children because I want them to experience life with me and I want to experience their life as well. And it's heavy on their life as well. And I think like people shouldn't have children if they're not going to allow them to be their own unique individuals. I think parents are there just to simply guide them in the right direction and to simply give them advice. But when it comes to their decisions and their choices, you know, we are there to supervise and be of assistance. We're not there to dictate and manage and be the complete like CEO. Like, yeah, kids have to respect us here and there. But I definitely don't think that you have to punish a child for respect honestly like I a lot of the kids that I meet that have grown up to be excellent people their parents honestly sat down and spoke to them like why are you behaving this way why are you being mean to kids like what why are you acting like this you know I think I'm just going to go ahead and move on to section three you in love you in love is your water your hydration after emptying yourself out it is your spirituality it is us breaking free from the influences that hinder us. Most of all, the section is your breath of fresh air. So breathe this in, fill this up with your lungs, and make these your words. These are the words people like you and me have a hard time saying. So please mark the pages, scribble on them, and I hope you learn to love you more than you love them. This section is a reflection of how I see you. Furthermore, I hope you learn to forgive yourself for all the times you felt like you weren't enough. My love, you are more than enough. About, you know, how our life has always been about the people that we love before loving us. So if we've loved people before loving us, how do we take on intimate partners? 
we tend we tend to prioritize them over our wants and desires which leads to a codependency that we don't even see or understand because we've been pushed and forced to be codependent on someone else and to be codependent on their approval of us and i almost feel like you know financial codependency really is just something else but emotional codependency is so crazy because it's like you're expecting all of your praises your wants and your desires from this one person and it's just like you know i see a lot of people actually ruin their relationships because of this i am someone that almost ruined my relationship because of this and it took a lot of therapy and it took a lot of talking and it took a lot of journaling and it took a lot of patience um with my own self um and there was like this immobility that i had for a long time where i felt like i couldn't function or move without taking care of others and when you've spent your whole life you know performing and being someone for someone else you have no idea who you are and i used to be very very envious of people that had the opportunity to make mistakes and mess up in life and people who knew who they were and, and things like that because it's just like i've spent most of my young life being something for someone else that i don't even know what i like <laughs> be like okay like what's my favorite color again wait what's my favorite milligan what's what's my favorite you know thing to do you know it would be like that so here's to you and love i'm just gonna go through some different stuff okay this one is like my favorite it's cute she may be broken but she knows how to build to build <laughs> not build to sleep i remember the first time i had felt this way I was on my granddaddy's farm. It wasn't a great farm. It didn't have horses or pigs, didn't have a big house, but it had cows and a tall oak tree. We were always at someone's house, never our own. I remember always waiting, just being patient until my mama could find somewhere for us to sleep. And now that I'm 23, I learned that my home is wherever God plants her feet. And what that means to me is like, when sh life is shit and things are falling apart, it is so important to build a home within yourself, build a community within yourself. I've recently heard quotes about like friendships are overrated. Yeah, too many friendships are overrated, but when it comes to your own self and your own internal battle and your own internal love, you need that. And a small group of people there to rally up behind you is important too. And when I hear about people having troubles and friendships and stuff, it's it's interesting to me because I think we are what we attract. And I'm very fortunate and grateful to have the community of people around me because I've I've been able to curate um, love, and I've been create been able to curate um, people that reflect me, and the people that reflect me, I also reflect them. Like I think about how I'm so grateful for like my best friend Maki. And how like she's just been here for me you know um i'm grateful for you know friendships with my friend cameron who is always here to make me laugh and always here to just see things through and, and isn't afraid to tell me when i'm wrong you know and you need people like that in your corner that aren't afraid to tell you when you're wrong i think i'm gonna read maybe like two more Oh shoot, this is what this is. This is one. So, this one is an image of me sitting on a cliff with water on it and the moon is swollen behind me with stars. It's called it got to me. I tell myself over and over again that I'm okay and that no pain lives in me. And now that I've accepted the truth that comes with being me, I can freely say that there is a time the depression got to me.
It's easy to give into our fears when life can feel tiresome and unsatisfying. Dealing with depression is knowing you're depressed and feeling as if you have no way out of it. Oftentimes, we try to escape this reality, whether it be with a person or a substance. Work on calming these voices by learning to be still with yourself. This kind of comparison is what you deserve. Talk to someone, anyone, a stranger, a friend. Therapy has a way of working wonders. But first, we must accept these emotions. Acceptance is the first step in learning how to heal. What was I on at 23? Hold on. 20s. The confusing time that comes in your 20s is teaching me to be less terrified of the struggle and more inspired with the journey. With time, I'm learning to find beauty in everything. Oh, wow. This one is one of my, this one is one of my favorite. The feeling. It's a naked woman. I hadn't felt alive until I saw myself naked. I hadn't been made love to until I was asked what I wanted in bed. I hadn't climbed a mountain until I did. I hadn't swam in the ocean until the sun was too hot on my skin. I hadn't cried to God until I forgave myself for all the abuse I allowed myself to be in. Oh, that was a good one. I think that's all I'm going to read, guys. I don't know. Like, you know, like some I, I read these and I'm just like, wow, like there that that was a moment in time, you know, like I think about how that really was a moment in time for me, how that really was an experience for me. And when I actually wrote this book and when I birthed this book, I had came back from um, California during COVID. And as most of you, I don't know if all of you know this, but when I was in California, I was working three jobs and I could barely afford rent. I was babysitting. I was like working in a like little box office thing or whatever. It was a lot. I was doing central casting, which I absolutely love. That's when I realized like I actually love media. I actually love film. And if someday I could write a film, that'd be great. And I remember when I came back home because COVID got so bad, I sank into one of the deepest and darkest depressions I had ever felt in my entire life. And I couldn't even get out of bed, you know, and I fell back. I was broke. I didn't have any money. I was stressed out all the time. I was just so sad. I was just like this very dark, sad version of myself. I was mean. I was irrational. I was, it, it, it was insane. And I birthed this book. And I think a part of like life is just learning how to empower yourself in those moments where you want to give up. And if you are someone that's thinking about giving up and you're at a period in your life where you just want to give up, please don't do it. I just want you to know, like, I hate the cheesy quote of saying it will all get better. I don't think it will all get better. I think we just get better at learning how to police thoughts. And when I was in therapy, my therapist made this amazing point to me. She said, sometimes when our body is in such a stressful environment and doesn't know how to get rid of it, the only thing left to do is think of suicidal thoughts. And that really resonated with me. Because the moments that I thought about, you know, ending How does that look like for the people around me? 
that's what I kept thinking about. And I'm not going to sit here in line and say that I don't have bad days, but I know how to, I know how to, um, hit rewind on those bad days and start it over. Even if I wake up and it's just a shitty ass day and then I'm just going through all my day and it's just been shitty, I just stop, pause, rewind. It's, it's the act of doing something. They say it takes 28 days to break a habit. You're going to wake up being depressed when you go to the gym that first day. You're going to wake up and be depressed when you go to the gym that second day. You're going to wake up probably feeling even more shittier than the first day on that third day. It isn't until it becomes a habit in your life that you start to see the results. So if you're thinking about giving up, don't do it. Don't do it. Life sucks. I'm not going to sit here and tell you that it doesn't suck, but it fucking sucks. And I want you to know that that thing that you're feeling right now, that thing that you're going through right now, birth something of it. Create something of it. Find meaning behind it. And I've had a lot of reasons to give up on life. And I always say, like, when I was a kid, I think of myself as, like, eyes. And I'm sure, like, some of y'all can relate to this, but I think of it, like, as eyes. All of these things I saw happening to people around me that I love. And I never thought about myself as a victim. And I think a lot of times when people that want to end it don't think of themselves as victims. And you have to sometimes. Narcissists will never be suicidal. They don't really have the capacity to be suicidal because it's always everyone else but them. Like, people are the problems. They're the issue. They're the problem. But you, on the other hand, you haven't allowed yourself to be a victim. And you need to let yourself be a victim. Let it happen. That's why you see so many people that are oftentimes the most happiest people allow themselves to be a victim and you deserve to be a victim because you were hurt by something or something so let i just want you to know that you know even like on this podcast i feel like i'm being really really vulnerable on here a lot more vulnerable than i was last year and something's just been calling me to be just more true and authentic because i'm doing this because i want you to know that it's going to be all right you're going to get through this. You're going to be fine. And it's really hard to believe that in this world that we're living in right now. It is hard. I know it's hard. But you got this. And you'll figure it out. And as mentioned before, I do like to recommend 13 Things Mentally Strong People Don't Do by Amy Morin because that book changed me. And if you're a girl that has a narcissistic mother, I recommend reading Will I Ever Be Good Enough by Carol McBride. Will I Ever Be Good Enough by Carol McBride. And if you are feeling, you know, lovely and lucky, lucky and nice and sweet, be sure to check out the To All the People I Love Before Loving Me book on Amazon. 
I just want to say thank you guys so much for being here and supporting and listening and and I would love for you guys to actually email me with whatever you have going on like in my book it says contact add to all the people.com I probably need to like actually get that back up and going so I might do that before this airs but feel free to contact me I get a lot of dms from you guys and I try to respond to them as much as I can but I just want to say happy happy new year guys and I love you all and the fact that you know I checked today that today is January 9th I'll probably upload this sometime like next week but the fact that I checked and that we are at 36,000 downloads is insane to me and you know I just uploaded the first um because I record every Monday I uploaded last Monday's uh episode today today and I just checked and we had almost 800 800 downloads so you guys got this happy Monday drink some tea write yourself a little letter do not give up I'm telling you right now don't do it I love you all so much thank you so much for listening to the to all the people podcast and this is with your host Janelle also I just figured out my soundboard has these cool sounds I'm gonna press one and see what happens oh yeah oh yeah (laughs) I hate myself for that Um, Okay. All right. Well, happy Monday, y'all. Y'all are amazing. Love you all. And thank you so much for tuning in.